Hello and welcome back to episode three of A Wee Chat. We're back again for some more Norwich City podcasting goodness. Um, I'm joined once again with Seb Ward and Charlie Hatch, as always. Um, guys, how are you? Yeah, very good. Charlie? Living life to the fullest. Oh, that's inspirational. That's deep. A deep start to this podcast. Nice stuff. Um, anyway, we're off the back of a fantastic result against Arsenal last Sunday, and we're going into a big, big game against Watford, so there's a lot to discuss in this episode. Anyway, first of all, let's take it back to Sunday where we saw Lewis Graben not celebrating his goal, um, but he did score, so that's cool. Uh, Seb, what do you make of the weekend's game? Yeah, I mean, the end result is a really important point for us. I think uh, we did really well. Uh, once we'd sort of started to attack them a bit more after the first 30 minutes, we really started to show what we can do in this league. And of course, there were mm. uh, problems at the back. Uh, again, Ruddy making a mistake, kicking the ball along the ground, but of course, Olsen also passed it back to him on his left foot, so there's that as well. Um, so yeah, it, it was a bit frustrating that we gifted them the goal, but then we reacted really well from that, and that showing of character is something that is going to, you know, it's going to be crucial throughout the season. And in the end, we were very worthy of our point. And in fact, I was a tad disappointed we didn't take all three. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we'll get on to Ruddy and, and sort of Olsen later, but. Charlie, what was your overall thoughts on on what was a pretty decent point against a very strong Arsenal team? No, oh, yeah, I was pleased. Um, I think immediately seeing the lineup, I was a little hesitant because it. I don't want to say it was a championship side, but it didn't. It was not our full strength roster. I mean, uh, Gary O'Neill, who's been a boss recently, um, Grab, and of course was back in. Uh, no Malumbu. I was hesitant. Started playing. I thought we looked good, other than the one mishap. Obviously, um, yeah, and to get to get a goal and to hang on, I thought it was crucial. Uh, I thought if we could get to halftime uh, tied, maybe something would happen. Second half looked good. I think actually, there there was the one stre- uh, stretch of time when Alexis Sanchez was hurt, and Redmond yeah. came on. It's like six or seven minutes. I think we should have scored there, but um, mm-hmm. I, from that point on, I mean, a draw was nice. Yeah, Seb, it's obviously pleasing to come out of a game against Arsenal and, and the only regret you have is not coming away with the three points. Um, but could we have gone on to pick up the three points? I mean, I can remember a few chances that we missed, certainly, which we should, probably should have scored. Uh, yeah, we did have some good chances. Was that, uh, the Houlihan header, which Czech made a really good save from. I think Housen yeah. had a bit of an overhead hook from a corner, which... We nearly scored again from you know I think we've scored that would have been disallowed anyway. <laughs> well, well, possibly yeah. We have we have scored I think five goals from corners this season, which is the most in the league. So we nearly profited again there. But well, we have after, five goals in the already. I think so. That's surprising. Really? I think so. I think that's what I heard on match of the day. Um, but what was you know the big golden chance was straight after we scored. Wisdom whipped in mm. a great ball, and if Houlihan was you know a few inches taller, he might have got his left boot over that ball a bit more and uh, tapped it into Czech's net. Um, but scoring before half-time was crucial. Um, I just think, given the fact that we gifted them such a goal in the manner that we did, um, and they didn't really pose that much of a threat, I thought we did pretty well otherwise. Um, and that's why I'm left sort of frustrated we didn't get three points. Not only because we had some great chances at the other end, but the, the chance that we gave and that they took was a major mistake from Ruddy, not only from the uh, the clearance, which on his left foot was it, it looked too casual, it looked 
Um, yeah. He didn't hit it with enough conviction, and he hit it straight down the middle, which is, you know, that's if if you're a bit dodgy, just hit it out uh, wide, and there's less of a risk. I was just gonna say, did you notice even passing Olsen passing it back at the time? I was like, what is he doing? Like the yeah, I mean, there was, was no pressure on the ball. He didn't need to pass it back to Ruddy on his left. But I, th- I think I think the the fact that we we are talking about Olsen shouldn't have been passing it back to Ruddy's left foot. I mean, he's a professional footballer. I mean, I can't use my left foot, but, you know, I, haven't been, I don't practice every day. I think I'm not going to blame Olsen for passing it to his wrong foot, and okay, I'm not going to blame then, Ruddy's kick either. But, yeah, it was it was pretty sloppy. What I do think was the second mistake in there, actually. When Ruddy comes rushing out, he shouldn't. Yeah. Because Basong, yeah. although he's not up... Uh, he's not right next to Ozil I think he would would have done enough to push Ozil out wide um, yeah. and the chance would have been much harder to score instead Ruddy comes rushing out and a player of Ozil's quality can so easily just master that chip over the top um, and we've seen it so often at Carroll Road we've seen Aguero do it I think we've seen Dzeko do it um, you know we see these top class strikers and it seems that Ruddy is very liable to that uh, that chip and again, I think he made it easy for Ozil by coming out so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm no goalkeeping coach, but even the way he sort of dived to the ground, he only sort of left his left arm in the air. His sort of body was completely yeah. on the ground, which just makes the goal so big. And for, as you said, a player like Ozil just isn't going to miss them opportunities. But Ruddy puts, I, th- I think it was O'Neill, wasn't it, who, who made the poor touch in the middle of the park. Yeah, which was even, He puts tough. O'Neill under such a, a tough... Well, um, position there because he just nails yeah. at him and obviously that wasn't the intended pass but O'Neill literally he, he can't kick it out he can't sort of pass it back he tried his best it didn't come off um, and and we're suddenly a goal down the but thing is that if Rudy had made this uh, this mistake in isolation and hadn't been sort of on this patchy form that he has been I don't think we'd debate it too much we'd just hold our hands yeah. up like we did with uh, Forster that time that he smashed it down along the floor and Leeds scored mm. that I think it was a 93rd minute winner back in the championship in like 2010 possibly Yeah. but because Ruddy he didn't look good all game uh, I think there was several other opportunities where he went to claim the ball above his head or just didn't really dominate his box and for Ruddy who is such a, a bulky keeper such a well, that sort of dictates his style as a goalkeeper. He has to be dominating yeah. his box because he's not going to be the agile, quick, quick off his line uh, sort of player that you know you might get from Declan Rudder or a smaller, maybe slighter, more athletic keeper. So if he's not dominating his box and that being one of his main traits that we expect from him, we're not getting the best out of him by any means. And unfortunately, we, we by no means have seen the best of Rudder this season. No, definitely. I think... I th- I'm, I'm, I'm just a bit wary of being too critical on Ruddy for this game. I thought he was excellent. Well, I say excellent. He didn't have much to do against Swansea, but he kept the clean sheet. He was fantastic away at he Chelsea. Was, yes. um, and even against Arsenal, he made that one error and we were lucky not, con- not to concede more goals. I think at least he was trying to command his box. In previous games, he has been like rooted to his goal line. He won't move. Uh, West, the West Brom goal that we conceded um, sort of rings out loud to me. But he was trying to come out and command this box. Admittedly, he did nearly knock out Basong trying to punch uh, the ball. But 
you know, I think we've got to give Ruddy a bit more time. Um, we haven't got much backup. I mean, we've got Declan Ruddy, who's a fantastic goalkeeper, but you go below him. Did and you see James got- Yeah, oh, mistake. <laughs> like we, we have, we must have the weirdest record of signing third team, third choice goalkeepers. We've had Carlo Nash, Mark. Well, was Mark Bunn a third choice? Yeah, probably. probably. Who was the other guy? Oh, um, the guy who made like one substitute appearance. Lee Camp. Lee Camp. We had him. Yes. Just such odd. Or what about Jed Steer? I actually rated Jed Steer. We got but, decent um... money for him in the end. I think we got like 1.52 million because it was that whole court case, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was like a midget as well, so that's not too bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we do have really odd choice, third choice goalkeepers. Um, yeah, and also we, we going back to that chance that uh, Seb you were talking about the Hulahan miss, not the head of the other one. I was like. I was really close to that because I sit front row of the Barkley, so I can sort of hear what the players are saying. And I was positive that uh, Houlihan shouted to Graben, who was the player in front of him, to leave that ball. Now, if I was Graben, and I, and I think if Graben had played more consistently this season and was more switched on, he would have gone for that because it was definitely his chance to finish, not Wes's. And yeah, the communication sort of let us down on that point there. Um, but... Charlie, I mean, Arsenal, I think they've scored 11 goals against us in the past three seasons. Ten of them have come in the second half. How good was our defence to keep Arsenal at bay in that second half when they were really sort of throwing the kitchen sink at us? No, it was good. I mean, Towards the end, I think, it was weird because at the beginning of extra time, it looked like Norwich should, um, should have scored. And then, you know, as it ended, it was vice versa. Um I think Basong, to be honest, hasn't done anything to merit any negativity. He he's been all right. It's been consistent. I I think Bennett has been you know good as well. Other than his mistake at City, yeah. Uh, and then you know I I'm one of those few people out there that openly admit I like Stephen Whitaker. Yeah. But uh, Wisdom has done a good job. He's come in. He moves up the field well, which is the one negative thing that I have against uh, Russell Martin when he's mm. back. And then, I mean, Robbie Brady, or uh, Martin Olsen was consistent, even when Brady was back there. I will say, I honestly think the back line isn't as much of a problem now as it was mm. maybe what, a month or two ago. Like, I, if I watch a match, I don't immediately think if the back line was better. Like, I, obviously, that, that crossed your mind, but now I push more emphasis on the forwards than of course. wondering who's going to be lining up next to Bassan. Yeah, it's an interesting point you've raised there, actually. Um, I read the EDP today, and one of the points that Michael Bailey raised that, as you said, Charlie, the defence isn't that weak anymore, but if you get an injury or a suspension in there, which is, is pretty likely it'll happen at one point in this season, you're then back to a situation where you're having to play Russell Martin at centre-back, and it all goes a bit, a bit dodgy again. So I think, although the defence is looking a lot more solid at the moment. It, we can't sort of rest on our laurels and we do need to go out there and sign a top-class centre-back or, or a right-back, whatever that may be. But Seb, a point, another point that Charlie raised there was, was Andre Wisdom. A very, very impressive performance from him, wasn't it? Certainly. And I think, he's well, this little run of games that he's had in the, the team, he's really benefiting from. Mm. I think he's starting to look a, a lot more solid. And alongside Ryan Bennett, the two are really starting to make something of a partnership, um, more so than we saw with Russell Martin and Whitaker. Uh, between them, they look relatively solid and have done, you know, against Chelsea and Arsenal now, which are two of the, well, I'm not sure what you say about Chelsea, but 
the the players that they've been coming up against yeah. aren't your your Alan Huttons or <laughs> whoever. Um, you know they they've been doing really well, and as you say, wisdom also. You know we don't always think it's part of his game. He also offered that brilliant cross in for Hulan, yeah. so he did offer something going forward, which is another plus point. Yeah, he was definitely better going forward. That was, I mean, he's looked pretty solid defensively ever since the sort of Southampton game where he was a bit a bit on and off. But ever since then, he has looked pretty solid defensively, but. Going forwards and, and then getting back from that sort of offensive position, he's looked a bit shaky, but against Arsenal, it was absolutely fantastic. And I think that movement from um, from going forwards to coming back was probably the best I've seen this season, Charlie. Did you think that we really struck the balance right of going forwards and, and dropping off as well? I think we did. I think if you... I mean, you even go back to last week. Was it Jerome started at the Stanford Bridge? Um, no, yeah. Was it it's Mbukani? Mbukani yeah. Bridge. Right, and then the week before, then I think might have been Jerome. But no one, no one was really tracking back. And I, I remember a point I made to my dad because he asked why is Graben starting. I think Graben actually comes back to the ball because he's not the guy that's going to win it for you up top. Yeah. He checks back a little bit more. Um, he did the same thing at Anfield actually when he finally made true. his first appearance. Very true. Since, yeah. Uh, so I think. Him tracking back kind of allowed us to go forward. Now, when we went forward, we didn't really move. But I think I think the best part about when we talk about the defense and moving forward is the fact that the midfield has been so compact and consistent. It doesn't matter if we've had Malumbu, uh, Alex Tete, uh, Gary O'Neill, even Johnny Housen, although he's kind of been playing wider recently, mm. and then uh, Graham Dorans. I mean, those guys in the middle – you could argue that our defense the last three games or four games has been the best it's been, but that's because we haven't been going forward. So it's kind of like a, a give and take kind mm, of thing. Yeah. I think I think it was also, I mean, loads of players had their best performances of the season, but Johnny Housen especially was fantastic at the weekend. I've been a bit critical of him in, in the past because I don't think he's that great out on the right, mainly because he lacks a lot of pace, but... In these bigger games where you need to defend a bit more, he, he does bring value to the team and he put in a massive, massive shift on Sunday. Um, Seb, I'm going to bring it back to the Lewis Graben point. Obviously, 99% of, of Norwich were surprised to see him starting uh, on Sunday, but he did score a very nice finish. What did you make of his, of his performance? And, and I suppose, would you like to see him start against Watford now? I thought he took his goal very well. I mean, he did, you know, he did really well to hold off uh, Gabriel, I think it was, and then finish it as adeptly as he did. But I'm not sure, even though I don't want to write him off, and I think we need to, as Daniel Brigham said in his recent piece for the Little Yellow Bird Project, we do need to sort of forget the whole Rotherham saga. He has had his fine. He's been dropped in the team. Mm. I think Alex Neil, as uh, Daniel says, dealt with the situation really well. So we need to put a lid on that. That's gone now. Um, but... Ability-wise, I'm I'm still not convinced. I, I think Daniel Brigham goes into the fact that Lewis Graben's touch is something that sets him aside from our other options. I'm not totally in agreement with that. I think, although he has you know decent technical ability, I'm not sure his other parts of the game actually warrant him to be in the team. I don't think. I think there's a bit of a preconception that he has loads of pace, which I don't think he has any more so than. Uh, Cameron Jerome, and he mm. also doesn't have the physicality of either him or Embakani. Um, but having said that, of course, he did take his goal very well, and that made 
a lot of Norwich fans eat their words um, prior to the match, of course. Do I want him to start? I can't say he shouldn't start, having, you know, he has scored the crucial goal in the match. But I would say that I don't, had he not scored that goal, and I do think that opportunity was a golden one handed to him by the excellence of Robbie Brady. Mm. Um, I mean, Lewis Graben didn't have another shot all, all game. So, it's you know, true. he didn't get another opportunity. He didn't carve himself one out. I don't think he's a player who can do that. Mm. I think he is partly reliant on our midfield. And if if we don't have our creative players like Houlihan and Brady, you know, playing at their best, then I don't think he's going to really offer that much. Um, is there a problem with his attitude? Of course, he doesn't celebrate his goals. He sort of mopes about looking like he doesn't, you know, he's not that interested. Whether that's just his style and, you know, that's not actually related to how much he tries I don't know but I, I'm not convinced that he's our best option by any means mm. I think I'm a bit sort of on the on the fence with Lewis Grab and I think his, his ability is unquestionable in, in a sense of championship level I think he proved that the thing I question with Lewis Grab and is what I'd still question that actually really I, th- I think <sighs> I think he did very well at Bournemouth he had a I think it was 22 goals in 44 games mm. Um, yeah, and did, did really well does. there and he started uh, like a house on fire with Norwich but if you think about some of his goals that he scored you know he scored 12 in 37 appearances I believe I th- mm. I'm, some well, of the goals that he did score like the were a bit lucky score. The, the Ipswich goal that 2-0 match where he literally tapped it yeah uh, you got the one at Blackpool where it was a deflection end of the day though they're still goals they're still you know Cameron Jerome scored tap-ins I know but I just don't think you're going to get that sort of look in the Premier League and you know if we're not getting that look then he might look a bit out of his depth I, I, I mean I'm jumping to conclusions here I yeah. just don't think and I, I you know I'm not trying to take away anything from his performance the weekend he did score the goal as Alex Neal you know backed him to do so mm. I can I completely agree I think if his yeah I'm not I think his goal at Arsenal was superb watching it back. I, I uh, appreciate that finish even more. The way he, he held the ball from Gabriel, the way he got it out of his feet and, and a quick finish past Petr Cech was, yeah. um, was fantastic. But his consistency worries me. I look back at the start of the season when he played Crystal Palace. He was dreadful in that game. He missed a couple of... He easy. missed an open goal. He missed an he? open goal. He yeah. should have scored a couple that game. I think if, if he was a top-class striker, he would have bagged the goals there. He wouldn't have tried to force a move away and he would have probably been playing week in, week out for Norwich. I think, yes, I'm not going to have a go at him for not celebrating goals, but Seb, I think you're correct in saying his style is very odd. He's like like the cool kid at college who doesn't want to try too hard playing football because his mates might find it funny. And then when he does score, he's like, ah, who cares about that? That kind of attitude, I'm not too sure about. (laughs) He's, He's always had that, whatever team he's been at. That I just think, I think... Graben is on par with Cameron Jerome in terms of what he can bring to the team. Obviously, they're, they're completely different players and, and needed in different circumstances. But when I look at Umbakani compared to Graben, Jerome and Lafferty, I just think Umbakani is such a class above them. He's got presence. He's got pace. He knows what he's doing. He can drop off. He can, his movement is so much better. I think if we had a choice between Graben, Jerome and, and Lafferty, I'd probably go with Graben. But with with Diamarcy and Bacani in the side, he's played European football uh, and scored goals in in a lot of European top flights. 
I look at Mbakani and go, actually, hang on, this guy knows what he's doing and he's already been performing for Norwich City. I'm not sure. Let us know what you... Well, I, I don't mind actually grabbing. Um, like we mentioned, I mean, everything that he's got going against him. But obviously, I think part of this is because I'm so far away, you know, the, the fact that uh, his off-the-field-related stuff doesn't really... It's not applicable to me. But I, I think Grabin, like I said, he comes back to the ball, which is appreciated. But I think you set it up with Alex Neal where whoever we're playing, he, he matches it well. I think against Arsenal, he if we scored, he was kind of expecting a snatch and grab. Uh, I think that's something that, you know, let's be honest, most of our guys haven't been able to finish in front of goal. So the fact that Grabin can be clinical under that stress, because, I mean, I think... I, th- I think he's aware that if he does not do well, the crowd is going to be against him. Mm. Well, there's a point that uh, I think some of the fans are actually booing him after about 30 minutes. I mean, that's pathetic, guys. Oh, that... yeah, absolutely. When I thought, you know, honestly, uh, I, when I watch Cameron Jerome play, I, Cameron Jerome doesn't make all that many runs that I notice where I'm just like, wow, that guy separates himself. So I think it, going into Watford, if you do start somebody, I wouldn't mind grabbing if it means someone like Imbakani can come off the bench mm. and finish out the match. But I would rather have that than, say, Imbakani start and then grab and come on. Because I think Imbakani makes more of an impact in a match, whereas if Graben is lined up with Wes Houlihan or you know, someone who can feed him the ball, if we have guys taking long shots and or like Brady gets it in, or Wisdom for that matter, if someone can tap it, uh, I think... Well, we know Imbakani can do it, but Grabin seems like he... I don't want to say he's in form because it's one match, but he... I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset if he... But, yeah, if he starts Saturday against Watford, I won't be disappointed. Um, at the end of the day, whoever scores, I think that's all that really matters. <laughs> well, what was interesting um, was that, uh, well, I got a... Someone told me about Grabin and the fact that he's probably going to be starting. Mm. And I, I told... I think I told both of you this prior to the game. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't think there was going to be much in it. I thought it was just one of those rumours that comes and goes and there's actually nothing in it. But the, the actual rumour itself, although, you know, just you know, dis- disregard this uh, if you think it's absolute bullshit, but um, I think the rumour came from someone picking Embakani up at the ground <laughs> and Embakani told this this person who was driving him somewhere that Graben was starting, but not only that Graben was starting, that uh, he was laughing at Alex Neal's decision to uh, start Graben, mm. and that apparently there'd been some sort of altercation, I don't know, and that Embakani had sworn at Graben in French or something. Okay. I mean, it, it sounds like your usual, not very true, but after, you know, the Graben coming in starting being true, Perhaps there's a, a minority, a minority of truth in mm. it, and then we see Embakani not getting a chance at all to come off the bench. It was Jerome who was chosen, um, so the, the, possibly there's a, a small amount of weight to it. But th- don't believe it. Just you know, bear it in mind in case it it develops. Can we get a uh, Tony Andrew in there, Andreu in there, please for translations? <laughs> we'll get him on the podcast. That's the only thing he'd be good down. for, I think. Um, no, but I think to conclude that, I think. 
admittedly we haven't got the most talented uh, strike force, but something we do have is is a is a versatile strike force. I think that's the reason Norwich never really have a striker who scores like tons and tons of goals in a season. I think obviously the last striker that that would apply to was Grant Holt, who did score loads of goals on a consistent basis. But because we're 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 chopping and changing so much, because Alex Neil is so wary of of um, setting his team up. For for the opposition rather than for himself. Yeah. I think that's the reason why you're never going to see a striker under Alex Neil score 30, 35 goals in a season that mm-hmm. maybe you would have done under, under Paul Lambert and, um, and stuff. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and want to say, you can tweet us uh, to any of our Twitter handles. The links to them will be in the YouTube video and also in the uh, iTunes description. Um, also, while I'm talking about that, if you haven't already subscribed to our iTunes account, if you do that, uh, as soon as we upload this onto SoundCloud, it'll come straight into your um, into your podcast app. So that's really cool. Um, anyway, let's get into some quick fire player ratings. Uh, I'm going to put this over to Seb because I haven't got the team sheet up just yet, and I'm hoping he has. I haven't, but I'm going to go <laughs> uh, off memory. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, Ruddy five, Wisdom seven, Bennett seven, the song. Seven, Olsen six, Brady nine, O'Neill six, uh, Malumbu Malumbu it was Malumbu yeah, uh, seven, Halson seven, um, Hulahan six. I'm gonna say I don't think he had too much of an influence. And finally, Graben seven. Imp- I don't think I've missed. No, that was impressive off memory. Anyway, Charlie. Um, <laughs> Let's go right. to you next for your quickfire player ratings. All right, Ruddy uh, seven, Wisdom eight, Bennett seven, Basong seven, Olsen seven, O'Neill. Uh, we'll say seven because the yellow. Doran seven, uh, Brady eight, Housen seven, Holohan six, Grabin seven, Redmond six, uh, Jerome six. Almost not applicable. And then Vadis, I'll give him an eight. Vadis came on and actually made an impact. <laughs> he I was thought, decent, so. actually. I thought he was going to yeah. score at the end, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'll give it. Oh, with the, the block shot, I think it was. Yeah, so I'll give him a shout. The only problem with Vadis coming on is that I try and get his chance started, lose my voice, and then nobody else joins in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did actually see that bit in your video where you, you started singing it, and Chris gave you like the first line, and then you sang on your own. <laughs> I, I do that for the majority. I, I reckon I'm hated uh, in the lower Barkley. So. Anyone in the lower Barclay, I apologise for my terrible chance. Um, anyway, let's get into these play ratings. Um, Ruddy, five. Wisdom, seven. Bennett, eight. Solely for the push on Sanchez. Um, Basong, <laughs> seven. Olsen, eight. Halson, eight. Dorans, seven. O'Neill, seven. Brady, nine. Houlihan, six. Graben, seven. Jerome, five. Redmond, six. Adesia, Afoe, seven. Lovely. Um, anyway, we put out a random question of the week, as always. Uh, this week's question was, as um, Lewis Graben doesn't celebrate his goals, is there anything in life that he celebrates? We've got a fairly one-dimensional answer here, uh, and I'm sure you guys know what it is already. Lots and lots of people saying he probably celebrated catching a train from Rotherham. Um, would probably celebrate a move to Bournemouth. Yeah, probably uh, nothing wrong there. Lloyd Alexander saying he might celebrate Christmas Day. Who knows? He might do. Isn't um, he Muslim? Is he? Uh, 
Okay, that's taken a bad twist. Um, <laughs> well, actually, if he's not, then it's it's equally as uh, incorrect. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Who knows? We'll he might celebrate <laughs> Christmas. He might not. Maybe that was Lloyd's point that he doesn't. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't think Lloyd knows either. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not try and get religion involved into this. I, once again, Harry Green wins the... Um, random podcast question of the week Harry uh, you can send uh, the money through PayPal if you want for picking <laughs> you as winner again um, he's put he's definitely one of those people who claps at the end of a movie or when the plane lands safely I can sort of grab him <laughs> I can imagine grabbing sitting at the back of the plane clapping when his Ryanair flight comes into Norwich airport um, yeah guys have you got any thoughts of, of times Lewis Graben might celebrate in his day to day life you know I was listening to his post-match interview, and I just thought his voice is almost identical to um, that comedian uh, Ramesh Raganathan. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's practically the same voice. I, I tell you a situation I'd celebrate with Lewis Graben is when he shaves that horrific beard off. <laughs> what even is that? It, yeah. It's well, like it's, that, well, I was going to say that, but it, if it applies to a religious thing, then there's nothing on it. But if this yeah. is his well, like, that's generic thought, style, sure. if yeah, if this is if this is like what he thinks, you know, does he get the ladies? Is he already married? What is, I don't know his relationship status. We're we're digging deep into his psychological <laughs> life here. The, the uh, only thing is, it doesn't look very sort of well kept. If like if the style is related to his religion, that, that's cool. But it's it's a bit scraggy, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, he's de- <laughs> he needs some treatment on that. He just needs a good, you know. Pair of clippers, doesn't he? It looks like he's just shaved his pubic hair and just <laughs> stuck it to his face. It's just woeful. <laughs> Everyone was thinking it. Um, sorry, Lewis, if you're if you're listening, but your beard is bloody horrendous, mate. Um, if you want an example of a beard, watch the fan cams and these grown out a lovely beard. A uh, bit of beard appreciation there. Uh, I was lucky enough to catch up with Arsenal fan TV's Mo, uh, and he admitted to having a soft spot for Norwich City. Talk Norris City, joined with Mo. I watch this guy every week. You speak some truth, mate. Thank you very Spe- much. Speak some truth about today. <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll tell um, all of your viewers something. I actually lived in Norwich for three years. Okay. Yeah, I used to work for Aviva, lived here, spent some time here. Really like the city. And uh, I've got a soft spot for the football team as well. I, I attended a few Norwich games whilst I was here. And I love seeing you lot do well. Admire the fact that, you know, when you've dropped down from the top league in football, you've maintained such a loyal fan base. And, you know, I've got a lot of time for this club, especially what, what you've done in terms of you had a huge debt and you've worked your way out of it. You know, it goes unnoticed because Norwich aren't, you know, sorry to say it, but the biggest team. You know, it goes very, very unnoticed. But you've done great work at this club. So I've always had a soft spot. But putting all of that sentiment aside today, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really, really disappointed in my club today because, you know, I, I feel like if, you, if Norwich fans were to watch Arsenal every single week for the whole of the season, you lot will uh, probably look back on this game and be like, that was one of their worst three performances all season. We, we lose games playing better than we drew this game today and we're lucky to have drawn it. Mm. So, you know, if I was a Norwich fan, I'd be very disappointed not to have got a big scalp today. Um, I don't know know what was wrong with us. If you, when you were 1-0 up after like 30 minutes, absolutely, you know, obliterating us really, were you thinking, let's kick on, let's get another few? Or were you always thinking, Norwich, you got a chance to get back in this? No, I I actually don't think we were obliterating you after 30 minutes. Yeah, I think after 25 minutes, I I was looking at the game and I was thinking, it's quite a dead game. We're not battering the door down. Mm. You know, when you truly know what Arsenal are capable of, 
that wasn't it. I don't think at any point in the game we got out of third gear. We weren't battering your door down. John Roddy wasn't making amazing saves. I think what you cleared one off the line. Yeah, um, two, yeah. Other than that, I don't think it was that bad. You know, I can remember you having better chances than us, to be honest yeah. with you. So after 25 minutes, I thought it was a bit of a neutral, sort of empty game. Then we went and got the goal. That was really your bad work yeah, yeah. rather than our good work. And then I thought to myself, now's the time for Arsenal to push on. And we just didn't do it. And, you know, it's an old cliche in football, but the timing of your goal was so, so important just before half-time. And you know, it, it really took the wind out of our sails. And then just before half-time, you score. Just after half-time, Alexis gets injured. It, you know, and I think in the space of those five minutes, which was actually in real time, 20 minutes, but in the space of the footballing five minutes, that game, those two moments completely changed the game for us. So that was Mo off Arsenal Fan TV. Um, I really like Mo. Lot, lots of Arsenal fans absolutely despise him, but I think he's a really nice guy and uh, the, one of the only Arsenal fans who actually speaks sense. So, yeah, that was Mo from Arsenal Fan TV um, talking about his love for Norwich City, I guess. So that's cool. Um, anyway, moving on, Watford up next. Seb, I guess you're going, are you? I am, yep. I am. I'm yep. hoping for three points, really. I think it's a, a massive game for us, given the run that we've just had of difficult games. We've now got a chance to get three points on the board and that will really help us sort of just keep that little bit of distance I think we're uh, sort of looking over our shoulder towards the relegation zone but if we can get three points that'll help keep a little bit of a gap uh, especially with some of the teams doing so badly around us I think you've got well although Bournemouth did eventually pick up a point I'm not convinced by Mm. Bournemouth, Villa, uh, Sunderland none of those look too good but we do need to hopefully get three points against Watford and we we did so again in the championship and I think it'll be a really important game in our season. Yeah, yeah, you say that, an important game. I mean, it sounds like I'm being commissioned by the EDP, but I keep plugging them. But I'm honestly <laughs> not being paid. EDP, if you want to pay me for all these plugs, go ahead. But um, Paddy Davitt said in there that lots of people were saying that the Arsenal game was season-defining, mainly because we got our tactics spot on. It could be the, the start of a decent little run for Lewis Graben. But he said that this Watford game is going to be season defining pretty much it's, it's going into what is a very busy Christmas period against the team sort of in and around us um, and we're going to have to switch up the tactics again because Charlie I mean Watford have started the season probably better than most thought you've got um, a Gallo there firing on all cylinders I didn't think he'd make the step up from the championship but it's evident he has you've obviously got the ever-present Troy Deeney and a, and a fairly solid midfield and defence so how I guess how do you see Alex Neil approaching this one really? Well, two ways, yeah. I mean, because I'd like to see us attack more, maybe mm. drop O'Neill, bless his soul, uh, <laughs> bring in someone that you know will will push up on the pitch, maybe put Housen back, and then bring in Redmond. Uh, but you know, Igalo and Troy Deeney are have created chances, so I don't think he's wrong. Uh, Patty Davitt when he says match defining or season defining because if you win this match you know it's going to look good uh, you're moving forward this is one of the few matches when the fixtures came out I thought we could you know uh, it should be six points off of them yeah uh, but I also think that if we lose here or if we have a draw that should have been a win then you know pessimism is going to start creeping in because if you can't beat a team that you handled both times. I know there was a dive that from Houlihan that led to that um, last match at Vicarage Road, but seriously, I do think that we should be able to to get something out of it. Point minimum, hopefully not points dropped. 
yeah, I think it's a big opportunity to really sort of lay ourselves down as a as a team that won't be fighting relegation this season to other contenders and, and try and get out of this scrap. Um, because as you said earlier, Villa look pretty much down and out. Um, I think Sunderland will stay up, although they do look woeful, but they always just seem to pull off some kind of relegation survival every single year. I think Newcastle are looking very, very dodgy. And then you've got Bournemouth who have been fairly unlucky, but I really don't care because they're Bournemouth. Um, so, yeah, I guess with all of that said, all that's left to say is score predictions. Charlie? 2-1 uh, Norwich. Feeling good. Feeling good. Straight to the point. Yeah. Love it. Seb? 2-0 Norwich City. 2-0. Another good one. I think there's going to be goals in this, obviously. Um, I'm going 4-2. 4-2 Norwich, goal. I think Graben might get on the score sheet again and, and silence his haters for another week. Um, haters are his motivators. Um, <laughs> so, definitely putting that out. So, no, like, leave that in, Seb, leave that in. Um, that's my inspiration for the week. Um, so, yeah, 4-2 I'm going for. A, a convincing win, and we'll be back on this podcast next week. Uh, Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday talking about how good we were um, anyway thanks to everyone who listened whether that be on iTunes or YouTube um, both are good enough I guess um, leave us your thoughts you could tweet us uh, at Talk Norwich City at Seb Ward underscore underscore Ward something like that yeah that's uh, not it but yeah yeah Seb oh, what is it I tweet it like <laughs> Seb every day Ward. Seb, I knew there was an underscore, and it's Charlie Hatch underscore. No. Well done. Well done. Yes. Got it. Lots of underscores. Um, Super. So, yeah, tweet us all of that good stuff, and we will see you next week for another episode.